Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, Southside. Great to be with you today. So excited to be able to hang out with you, open up the Bible, answer a few questions for you. You know, you may be asking, can I ask that? Why, yes, you can. You sure can do it. We're going to try to answer questions that have been posed to us over the past few months, just reaching out to our church family, saying, hey, what would you like to know? And man, did you respond? Question after question after question. And uh, we're trying to answer those in all kinds of different avenues. But here on Sunday, we're trying to answer the most prominent questions, the one, the ones that were asked the most or most often, and, uh, and just try to give you answers, not from our perspective, but from God's perspective. Why? Because of the mission of our church. We want to build real followers of Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is by giving them his word. And so that's what we're doing. And we believe that that translates into a vision of making it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are. So if you want to be a part of that, come on, man, let's get in. Find a place to serve. Find a place to get involved. Put your yes on the table and let's go make it real easy to go to heaven from where we are. Let's dive in today. The question is about heaven. Oh man, it's going to be good today. It's going to be great. The question we'll kind of tie everything into is what happens when I die? But there were so many more, okay? All kinds of things. What exactly does the new heaven and the new earth mean in Revelation? What is the difference between paradise, heaven, and Hades? What happens the moment after we die? What does Revelation say? The dead will rise and join Jesus. Oh, the questions. Will we recognize family? Do dogs go to heaven? Yes. All right. We got all of these things. All of these questions, dog yes, cat no. I mean, that's why God created heaven and hell. Anyway, nevertheless, we're moving right along, okay? Good stuff today, but this is what we want to get to. Maybe the reason we never feel fully satisfied in this life is because you and I were created for more. For more than this life, yes. For more in this life, yes. Maybe the reason we feel less than satisfied in our day-to-day life and more overwhelmed with the problems and the pain and the issues of life is because we forget that we were created for more. And so today, we're going to look at the answers from God's Word about heaven. And the place that I'm going to go, because we could go all over the place. We could go into the Old Testament. We could live all throughout the New Testament from John 14 to to Romans chapter 8 to 1 Corinthians 15, 2 Corinthians 12. I mean, we could go all over the place today and look at things. But I thought if we're going to talk about heaven and what it's going to be like, then let's go to what heaven is in all of eternity and see what it looks like in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and we're going to read all of it today. So buckle up. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And so what you believe about eternity, I believe this determines how you live your life today. 
And so how do we want to live this life? Man, most people want to be happy. A lot of people want to be successful. A lot of people want this, want that. But man, if we're going to live the life that we were destined to live and be satisfied and full and whole and complete, well, I'm going to tell you, it's going to start with what you believe about eternity. And so today, I want you to know, heaven is real. Heaven is real. Today, we're just going to build us a stairway to heaven. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. But nevertheless, we're going to talk about how to get there. What is it going to look like when we're there? And what does that mean for our life today? Heaven is real. Three different things today. Number one, let's see the, let's, let's talk about the people of heaven. Then we're going to see the description of heaven. And then we're going to see what the call of heaven is for our life. Number one today, the people of heaven. We see different things in Revelation chapter number 21. You got to go to the end to see how it impacts your life today. Number one today, the people of heaven, they are God's people. Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw John, the apostle John, the disciple that, that, that he would say was the one that Jesus loved the most. That's what he said in his gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John refers to himself in that gospel as the one, the one disciple Jesus loved more than the rest. I think that's hilarious. I mean, I love it. Basically, he's saying, I'm God's favorite, all right? And that's what he's doing. Can't you imagine the other disciples reading the gospel and go, come on, man, really? Really, he's like, y'all know it. I was his favorite, you know what I'm saying? But nevertheless, here he is at the end of his life, the only one left, the only disciple, that the, the, the original of the disciples, he's the only one left. He's the one that hasn't lost his life for the cause of Christ. And now he's found himself on the island of Patmos. It was an island reserved for criminals. And it was a place where they put him to shut him up. And eventually, hoping that he would lose his life there and be killed. All God did was put him in isolation there on the island so that he could write the most, one of the most famous books in the history of the world that tells us about our future. And so here he is. He says, then I saw, okay? Then I saw. When I read the Bible, I take it for what it says. I don't, I don't wonder, is it, is it speculating? Is it imagining? Is it this? Is it that? What John is writing about in the book of Revelation are the things that he saw and the things that he heard. And John is trying to relay that information to us the best way he knows how. Paul did it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, I know a man who was caught up into the third heaven, who saw things that, 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 that can't even be explained, that you can't even comprehend. All right, we can go into the Old Testament and we can see encounters with people and God and their encounters with the heavenlies. Isaiah going into the throne room of heaven. We can go all throughout the Bible and get glimpses of it and hear the description in their terms and the best way they know how. And so this is what we do. If we want to live the life that God wants us to live today, then we've got to have the right view of eternity because that shows us, that gives us a glimpse into where we're going, okay? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What he's looking at here is after everything is done, the rapture, the tribulation, 
the, the, the final judgment, the millennial reign of Christ, him coming and establishing his reign here, the great white throne judgment. You've seen everything, the marriage supper of the Lamb, everything has taken place. It is done and finished. And here we are. This is forever. John said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. See, God's gonna make, when he says he's gonna make all things new, that's what he's doing. He's gonna make all things new. The Greek word that's used in this passage, however, when you see that, is there's two types of words that you can see, the word new in the Greek, okay? One is neos, which means brand new, and the other is kainos, which means made new or remade. Basically, you could take the example here of something being restored, maybe a, a car being taken in and someone restoring it and it coming out and it's been remade. It's a remake of its, of its former condition, but it's in a better state. That's what God is doing. He's made a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and the sea no longer exists. What does that mean? It means there's a different water source here. It means that in some way, maybe John is looking here and he's talking about maybe relating the sea from his day. His day, the sea, it would bring up storms and have uh, waves and oceans and wind. It would have all these different things. It wasn't always positive and good. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was not. Sometimes it was fun and sometimes it was dangerous. But here, John is looking at something brand new. He said, I also saw the holy city, not just Jerusalem, but a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Today, I just want you to sit here with me in these chapters and just try the best that we possibly can to picture what John is describing. This is what he saw. I saw it coming down out of heaven from God. It was prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Think about the doors opening and the bride coming in. And that moment that for many of us that were married, that is so, it just grabs us and takes us in. I see it a lot. I see some of the biggest, toughest, strongest men fall to pieces in that moment because it's such an overwhelming sight. He said, then I heard a loud voice. I saw, I heard from the throne of God, look, look, God's dwelling is with man and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. What we have read about, what we talk about on a weekly basis, all of those things, it is now finished. The devil, the demons, the people that have rejected Christ as Savior are now locked away forever in hell. All that's left are the people that are his, and now God is making his dwelling with them. Think about Adam and Eve, but even better, even more, 
No more condemnation, no more pain, no more guilt. Any of those things, God will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Look at what he does. He will wipe away every tear. Death will no longer exist. No grief, no crying, no pain because the previous things have passed away. It's so hard to grasp these passages, to truly live in them because we still have tears. We still experience death. We still have grief, crying, and pain. We still have those things. It's so hard to separate ourselves from that moment. But John is living in it. John's, all, all we're talking about today, it's not necessarily about how, it, how, how you see it and how you picture it. It's what John saw. It's what John heard. John is relating that information to us so we can have a picture. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, write these things because these words are faithful and true. I mean, it's so, to me, I just, I wrote down some of these things. I mean, what does it mean to have no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more guilt, no more calories? Come on, somebody. I mean, what does, what does the glorified heavenly Hawaii look like? Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be great. What about a glorified filet mignon? What does that look like? What about a glorified Waffle House? Hey, you know you in the South when we're talking about the house, the way-ho, all right? And so what does that look like? What about a place where the Falcons never look? Well, that's not going to happen, but nevertheless, he said, look, I am making everything new. They are God's people. Let's talk about the people of heaven. They're God's people. Number two, they're satisfied people. They're satisfied people. And he said to me, it is done. It is done. It is finished. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I started it and I finish it. He said, I will give them water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. Jesus testifying in the gospel of John, he said, I am the living water. He's talking to the woman at the well. She came thirsty trying to fill a bucket of water. And Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask him for living water and he would give it to you. Sir, give me this water so I don't have to come here and draw this bucket ever again. I don't have to feel guilt, guilt, shame, condemnation. Go call your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right, you've had five. And the one you're with now is not your husband. Sir, I can see you're a prophet. I'm more than that. She ended up saying, I know the Messiah is going to come and tell us all things. He said, it's me. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning of the end. I'm the one who will give water that will satisfy your thirsty soul. What about heaven being real? They're, they're, they're God's people. And they're, 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 they're God's people. I mean, what are the people of heaven like? They're God's people. They're satisfied people. They are victorious people. Talk about never losing again, never being defeated again, never being disappointed again. What does he say? I will give the victor 
the victor will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. She will be my daughter. This is personal. This is relational. This is final and finished. It's exactly what he's saying. You're going to be Forget it. Jesus said, and he's talking in his gospels. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he forfeits his soul? What can you give in exchange for your soul? We see in Revelation 20, 21 and 22, nothing. Those who say yes to Jesus, who, who get to spend eternity in heaven, they are the people of heaven. They are God's people. They are satisfied people. They are victorious people. But Jesus said the cowards, the unbelievers, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The first life, it ends in death. One out of one people die. The second life, it will never end in death if you know Christ. But if you don't, there's not just one death, there's two. That's the picture of the lake of fire. See, this is the final work of salvation. One day, the same hands that were pierced for you, the same hands that were nailed on a cross for you, will be the same hands that wipe away every tear from your eyes. Heaven is real. And in Revelation, we see the people of heaven. And if you know Christ today, John is talking about you because he saw you. Now we also see the description of heaven. Pastor, what's heaven going to be like? <laughs> I'll tell you, number one, it's real. <laughs> it's real. Heaven is real. Revelation 21, verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls of judgment filled with the seven last plagues, he came and spoke with me. He said, come. It's a key word. Don't forget that. Come. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he then carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a very precious stone, like a jasper stone, and it was bright as crystal. It's real. He's talking about what he saw. He's picturing and writing for us what it will be like. The description of heaven is not just real, it's safe. It's safe. He said the city had a massive high wall with 12 gates. 12 angels were at the gates. The names of the 12 tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. He said there were gates on the east and three gates on the north and there were three gates on the south and three gates on the west. They were all there. The city had 12 foundations and the 12 names of the Lamb's 12 apostles were on the foundations. What's he writing? He's writing to us about a city that's, 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 that's safe. It's safe for everybody. There is nothing that can harm you. 
It's not just real, it's safe. You don't have to fear anything. Fear no longer will exist. It's not just real, it's not just safe. It's also more than enough. It's big enough for everybody. Look at what he says. He says, the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out in a square. Its length, height, width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 1,500 miles. Its length, width, and height are all equal. 1,500 miles that way, this way, that way, that way, that way. It was massive. It was more than enough to hold the world's population. When God said, for God so loved the world, he meant it. He made it as a place for everybody to live and dwell that was real. It was safe. It was more than enough. And now he talks about its beauty because it's absolutely beautiful. Just get lost in the verbiage. The building material of its wall was jasper. The city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The next verse, he just lists them. Look up those stones. Take a minute and see. He's filled the foundations with every kind of precious stone. The 12 gates are 12 pearls. Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The pearly gates, one pearl. The broad street of the city was pure gold. And it was transparent like glass. The description of heaven is real, it's safe, it's more than enough, it's beautiful. But you gotta say this because God's there, it's holy. It's holy. I did not see a sanctuary in it. There's no need for a sanctuary because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its sanctuary. The sanctuary was the place where you would go to meet God, and now God is there. He is dwelling with you forever. Yeah, but I don't feel it. I don't see it. I can't say it. I get it. Neither can I, but it's here. I can't tell you what it looks like. Have I ever been? No. Do I know that hell is real? I've never been there. I don't want to go there, but I believe it's real because it says so. Heaven is real. Hell is real. God is real. Jesus is real. And so is his life. The city does not need the sun and the moon to shine on it because God's glory illuminates it and its lamp is the land. The nations, the people will walk in its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Each day its gates will never close because there's no need because there will never be any night. It's always open and available for the people of God to fellowship and love and walk with God and experience His goodness. 
They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing profane will ever enter in it. No one who does what is vile or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. It's holy. It's beautiful. It's more than enough. It's safe. It's real. It's overwhelming. When he says, then he showed me the river of living water, sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne, there it is, of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the broad street of the city, the tree of life was on both sides of the river. The one that God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of it. But now you can, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. It is there. It is overwhelming in its beauty and perfection. Why? Because it's perfect. It's perfect. There will no longer be any curse. The curse of sin is gone. Hallelujah. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His slaves will serve Him. See, what we've pictured, what we've decided to view heaven as is boring, as a place where we're, we're just wearing these robes or, or, or carrying around harps and just sitting on clouds and singing church songs and, and just being in a boring time while we listen to Morgan Freeman read from the dictionary. I mean, that's not what it is. It's not what it is. Um, it's, it's, it's the Garden of Eden remade into perfection. It's perfect. It's amazing. It's holy. It's safe. It's secure. It's big enough for everybody. It's beautiful. It's overwhelming. It is perfect. We will see his face and his name will be written on our foreheads forever. Night will no longer exist and people will not need lamplight or sunlight because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. See, no one goes to heaven by accident. Heaven is God's prepared place for prepared people We prepare for heaven, and then God prepares heaven for us. Jesus said it in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, are many dwelling places, many rooms that I'm preparing for you. How do we go? How do we know the way? He said, you know the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you want to go to the Father, you got to go through me. Heaven is real. In these passages, we see the people of heaven. We see the description of heaven. And then finally, it gets real applicable when we see the call of heaven. See, heaven is calling today. It's calling. What's it saying? The Bible in Revelation 22 is saying, Keep God's word. Keep God's word. Look at what he says. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. You can count on them. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his slaves what must quickly take place. He says, look, I am coming quickly. The one who keeps the prophetic words of this book is blessed. 
What's God saying? Keep my word. Keep my word. As a follower of Jesus Christ, what am I? I am a keeper of his word. I'm a keeper of this book. More than just reading it, I want to I ingest it. I want to memorize it. I want to do it. I'm a keeper of this book. It doesn't take long to look around at our culture today and know that there needs to be people of God that keep this book and pass it down for generations until Jesus comes back for us all. Why? It's a call of heaven. John said, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard them and saw, I saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. And the angel said, no, no, no. He said, no, no, don't do that. I'm a fellow slave or servant with you. Your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Keep God's word. Worship him. He said to me, don't seal the prophetic words of this book because the time is near. He said, let the unrighteous go on being unrighteous. You want to be unrighteous? Then go keep living in unrighteousness. Let the filthy Go on being made filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness and let the holy be going on, go on being made holy. He said, do what you're going to do. Keep going. But if you're going to follow me, keep my word. Keep his word. It's the call of heaven. It's also saying, be faithful. Be faithful. Be real. Be true. Look, he said, look, I am coming quickly. God said, I am coming quickly. Well, it hadn't been quickly. It's been 2,000 years since he's come. It's been this, it's been that. I want to tell you this. God will come when God's good and ready. When these, when these things are set in motion, it's going to happen quickly. He said, I'm coming quickly, and I'll bring my reward with me to repay each person according to what he has done. This is about service. You're going to serve in heaven. What's it going to look like? I don't know, but it's going to be great. There won't be any sweat. There won't be any toil. There won't be any labor like that. There won't be any, any complaining. There won't be any sore muscles and joints anymore. It's perfect. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Come to me and trust me and let me cleanse them who are faithful to keep my word so that they may have the right, the right to the tree of life and may enter by those pearly gates. The call of heaven, keep God's word, be faithful, stay humble and obedient. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest to these things to you for the churches, for you and me, for us. I am the root, the offspring of David. I am of Jew, my, my people are the Jewish people. I'm the bride and morning star. I'm showing you, I'm showing you my people and where that beginning came from, but now I'm also revealing my glory to you. God man for us we're to be humble and obedient to that in every facet of our life call of heaven keep God's word be faithful stay humble and 
obedient. And finally, don't stop inviting. Don't stop talking. Don't stop speaking. He says both the Spirit of God and the bride. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's you, that's me. What do they say? Come. Come. Anyone who hears should say, come. Anyone who is thirsty should come. And whoever desires should take the living water as a gift. Come on. Why? Why? Why should I keep God's word? Why should I be faithful? Why should I stay humble and obedient? Why should I not stop inviting? Simple. Because heaven is real. It's real today. It's right here. No, we're probably not going to get it all right. No, we're probably not going to see it clearly. No, we're probably not going to get everything the way we see Yes, we're clouded and there's all kinds of pain and problem, but one day there's not going to be. See, heaven is more than a destination. It's a motivation. It's a motivation to tell people to come. I'm going to tell you this. If you want to be heaven bound, it starts with being heaven born. You got to be heaven born to be heaven bound. And that starts with you saying yes right here and right now. So wherever you are in this world, do not turn this off. Listen. You relate somewhere. You fit in this somewhere. Either you're in or you're out. I think I am. This ain't a time to think. This is a time to know. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you've got to be born again. What does that mean? It means to be heaven born, to trust God with your eternity for that eternity. You've never done that. It's as simple as saying yes to him. So prayer number one today is to say yes to God. Pray this with me. Keep your eyes open, whatever, man. Say it out loud. Say it to yourself, but say yes. Say, Father God, I believe in you. And I believe you love me so much that you sent your son to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. And today I'm asking you to forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Say these words to him. Jesus, be the savior and Lord of my life because I'm ready to follow you. And I say yes to you today. If you prayed that with me, stay with me, connect with us. Tell us that you did this at the end of this. Follow the instructions. Listen, the second one, if you're if you're walking with God, but you're away from God, you've walked away from him and you need to come back. Today is the day to come back. Pray these words with me. Say, Father God, I repent. I know I've walked away from you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong and I repent. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me for my sin and restore me to you. I'm ready to be that follower that keeps your word, that is faithful, that's humble and obedient. And I'm ready to tell my my story and I'm ready to invite people to come. Tell us your decision today. Let us know you prayed these prayers and let us help you take the next step. God bless you. See you next week. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. 
congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text JESUS, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.